So many times we're giving, giving, giving of ourselves, our energies and everything. We run out, we run dry. So don't be afraid to put yourself on top and then have that support and that professional care as your supports. Courage Podcast. I am so excited for our guest today. Our guest is actually someone I had been looking up to years before ever even meeting him. Kevin Briggs is seriously such a remarkable person. And the way I had first found about found out about you, Kevin, is through your TED Talk. And he did this remarkable TED Talk, has millions of views, with a seriously powerful story that we would love to hear more about. And I had watched it years ago, and then we randomly met you in the Sausalito when we were getting our shop. when we were ring shopping getting wedding rings or wedding nice. and then to be able to meet you and to see you are just such a humble down to earth man mm-hmm. after I've been following your work which has a lot to do with suicide prevention and it's so meaningful mm-hmm. and then to meet you and realize you are so humble and down to earth it was mm-hmm. seriously such a gift and then on top of it all I was like Kevin I'm doing a TED talk will you mentor me during this process and you you did it. You just met with me on Zoom and mentored into me. And I just, I do not think my TED talk would have been what it was mm-hmm. without your investment. And so I just want to start this talk by saying thank you, Kevin. Mm-hmm. You're seriously just such a humble person and you're the real deal. So we're stoked to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you guys. Pleasure to be here. Before we were commenting, I love your guys' backdrop. I wish mine was like that. <laughs> We're here in our living room. I got, I got some. I do podcast different things all the time. I got to do some work with my stuff. <laughs> I had an office, but then my boy moved in with me, and and I got shoved down to the den. So. <laughs> That's so sweet of you. Such a good man. Well, yeah, we're thank so you for the kind words and, and a pleasure to be here. Happy to be here with you guys. Aww. Yeah, it's such an honor to have you. Yeah, we're just so stoked to have you, and we'd love Kevin just to start off with having you. Tell us your story. How was it being a highway patrol officer? And then how did you end up doing a TED Talk? And what does your life look like now? Sure. Well, I was with the California Highway Patrol for 23 years. And I did a lot of work on the Golden Gate Bridge. And when I got to the Marin area, and folks who don't know the area, San Francisco connects to Marin County via that Golden Gate Bridge. And I worked Mm -hmm. in Marin County, which with the highway patrol, we actually... Uh, handle everything on the Golden Gate Bridge. We're the law enforcement agency assigned to the Golden Gate Bridge. So when I got there, I didn't know why people didn't want to work on the bridge, but I found out in a hurry why is because of the folks contemplating, attempting, or really going through with a suicide. And I would handle four to six cases a month of folks contemplating suicide. And I had no training. You know, it was terrible, but I learned a lot about people, about myself. I think the thing that really kicked in for me was on that bridge, looking into the eyes of people and people say, why why do you do this type of work? Well, we all need to find our niche, so to speak. And if you get in law enforcement, maybe you're getting into weapons, maybe you're getting into commercial like big rigs or ocean liners or, you know, canines or, or drug units or something like that. Well, I did ride a motorcycle with the patrol. But nice. I started working on the bridge, looking into the people's eyes who were standing over the rail, 
that just ingrained into me instantly that this is something that I wanted to do because I could see the powerful look that they had that, you know, there's a big part of them that wanted to live, but they couldn't see how to live and they don't see tomorrow. That's time and time again, they don't see tomorrow. So what could I do as just another individual out here, you know, to help these folks? So I began this big kind of lifelong journey so far, studying about this, learning about human dynamics and and learning a lot more about myself. I've had a kind of a colorful past with things. So I'd worked on the bridge for uh, over 10 years and then promoted to the rank of sergeant and retired in 2013. I left the highway patrol at age 50 because of these opportunities such as the TED talk. And I'll be very, very honest with you folks. Me being very naive in my own little bubble of the world, I didn't really know what a TED Talk was. You're like, oh my God, who is this guy? Right? What are you talking about? So I called it. I called a mentor of mine. I said, Hey, I'm getting asked to do this this TED Talk. He goes, What? Call him back right now. He hung up on me. So I went up there to Vancouver. It was the first year. It was in Vancouver, British Columbia. I, I guess it had been. For the longest time in Long Beach, but this was the first year, you know, and and I learned all this as I went along that they get 50 people a year. And mine was one of the last talks on Friday. I think I was the last one in the morning session. And it was really, really cool. And you folks know what it is like to do the TED Talk. I'm glad because this was one of the first talks I ever did. And I'm very, very happy that I did it way back then, because now 10 years into this and having a few hundred talks under my belt, I think I'd be a, a lot more nervous. I'd be a wreck. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It's, I mean, it's crazy. I love that you didn't know what it was, and it's considered like the most powerful stage you know, <laughs> in the world. I hate to admit it, but it was the truth. I'm like a TED Talk. I've heard of something like I think. <laughs> and Kevin, if you don't mind, would you go back and tell us a few stories from you meeting these people on the bridge? Yeah. One that sticks out on a more positive side, because of course, we do lose people on, on there um, and it breaks our heart. But one individual, we're always trying to look for things that we think they haven't seen. What can I do to get them through this crisis point? Because we know that once an individual, well, they may be thinking about suicide for quite some time. But once they say, you know what, I've had it, this is enough, 48% will attempt within 20 minutes. So what can we do to get them out of this wow. crisis? I'm talking to this older gentleman And he is over the rail, standing on what we call the cord, C-H-O-R-D. And he's lived in San Francisco. He had had a really, really tough life. And he had a very, very small apartment in the Tenderloin area, which is a very tough area in San Francisco. But he wasn't under the influence of alcohol or drugs. But I'm I'm trying to make a connection with him. And we're talking for a while. And I'm thinking, this he has nothing, pretty much destitute. But I asked him to describe his apartment just to get him to talk more. And that's the biggest thing is getting them to talk and me shutting up and listening. That's what this is about. So as he's describing his apartment, he goes over and he talks about a dresser that he had and then his goldfish. I said, oh, perfect. What we're trying to do is find a hook of what we can talk about. What can we offer folks to think a little bit different? Because I think... At that level where they're in, they're almost like a horse with blinders on. What can we do to open that up so they can see life a little differently? So uh, tell me about your goldfish. His, her name, you know, is it just one goldfish? How long have you had it? 
as much as I could about this goldfish, focusing on this, just this little bitty fish out of this guy's life. Because that's wow. all that I had as, as far as yeah. I could. There wasn't family members. There wasn't friends that we could talk about. So I got the name of the goldfish. And I started using that more and more. And I'm trying to think, how could I use this as a hook to get this guy to want to come back over? Because for me, yes, we could reach through the bars. And I think many people have seen where cops have went up on a roof or on a bridge and grabbed people and pulled them over. Or citizens or firemen have have done that. But what I want to really do is get the people over the rail to want to live and come back on their own. Wow. Because I think it takes That's so awesome. much courage to go over that rail to begin with. Imagine the courage that it takes to come back and face everything again. So if we can talk about something. So I really focused on this goldfish. And then it finally came into my mind. I asked him this question. And I said, brother, who's going to feed your goldfish if you decide to jump today? And like I told him, you know, they're not thinking about tomorrow. He didn't plan for this. And he loved this goldfish. And it stumped him. And, and he got very emotional. And he eventually came back over because of that. Wow. So it's these little simple things sometimes that are, you know, maybe nothing in our lives, but it's huge to somebody else. So that's what we need to discover and hopefully get way before somebody gets to that bridge or on top of a building or putting a gun to their head. We wow. need to have these conversations. Wow. That's amazing. It's amazing to hear. It sounds like you're trying to find like, what is their love and hope in? And like, even though it's something it, to many people, it's seemingly a goldfish, like seemingly something small, yeah. but something that this man like cared about that was able to give him enough like hope and purpose to continue through. Kevin, as you were talking, you talked about the courage that it takes someone to step over, but then also the courage to step back. This podcast is a little more courage podcast and we're talking about the main ideas focusing on courage and fear and how do we grow in courage for you i imagine like as you're having conversations i would be terrified being in your position and feeling the weight of this i think both sides for you and for the person there's a lot at play between fear and courage in the situation what is that like for you dealing when you're in that situation When you're dealing with fear and courage, like tell us a little bit about what that dynamic is like in that situation for yourself. You know, it really is. It encompasses both of that fear that that individual is going to jump and the courage. I have to have the courage to go up and handle this. And you know what? To be professional, but to be a human. And I don't think myself as being with the highway patrol. When I walk up to people, I do it a little different. I don't just walk up to them. I'll actually stay back a bit and just raise my right hand up and go, hi, I'm Kevin. Is it okay if I come up and talk with you for a while Mm. and get them to allow me to come up? Because I Mm. think so many times people, you know, they're so down and out that by seeing somebody in uniform and then getting their permission to come up, I think that starts it off right. And I'm just Mm. trying to develop rapport and let them know somebody is there for them right here, right now. I'm not going anywhere. Mm. So... It is all about them. Mm. It really is. And if we have commonalities, I tell them, you know, commonalities can create comfort. Mm -hmm. So if they say something like, and they're very angry, a lot of people up there and they'll say, well, you don't know what it's like to have cancer. Well, unfortunately I do. And we can Mm. talk about that. What do we have in common? What can we talk about? If I can get them to talk, that's what this is about. You know, Mm -hmm. let them talk as long as they want, because 
it does a couple of things. It's giving me, providing me with more information to help them. And, mm. you know, if I'm talking, what am I learning? Nothing. Because mm. it's mm. coming out of me. So let them talk. I'm getting yeah. information and it's allowing them to vent. And both of those are fantastic. And would you say that it's like, I'm just thinking when you're in these like very stressful situations, is there something you say that you can tell really like hits people's hearts mm. or is it simply just listening that makes the biggest difference? For many, many of the times that I've spoken with folks, it's about the listening part and not wow. trying to fix it. That's a That's big good. one that people tell me, thank you for not trying to fix this because everybody's telling wow. me what I should have done, what I should do. Whereas I may say, well, have you tried this? Not, you know what you should have done. Well, they're in this position now. They, they know that. So maybe we steer it, you know, and a lot of it is, is how you say it. And also how you look. If I'm just standing there with my arms folded and looking all around and not paying yeah. attention to them. There's so many things. What comes out of us? Yeah, that's just a piece of it. But how we're looking at them and we're not laughing at them and all these things that other people may have done. Wow. You know, it's very, very serious. Mm-hmm. And I want to let them know that, yes, I do care. And yes, there are other people that care. And we want to help you through this. Mm-hmm. I probably won't be able to fix anything, but I will stand by your side today. Yeah, it's so true. I think I really do believe people will not remember what you say. They remember how you made them feel. And you, yeah. mean, you in this process are making them feel seen. And I'm sure even for them to get to that point, how lonely that would feel because it feels like no one understands that they're I mean it's just so much hopelessness and you give people so much dignity just hearing what you're saying like I can remember being a being young and getting in trouble and feeling like not good enough and people wanting to fix things but the way you're saying that you go about it like you're so empowering to people of hey I'm not trying to solve your issues and I'm and you're actually just like a valuable person and I want to help come alongside you and just empower you if there are ways that I can help you make a courageous decision, which is such a powerful thing. Um, I'm curious, Kevin, because you've been in this situation of people contemplating suicide so many times now. In your view, what is it that, like, obviously there's a huge epidemic of depression and suicide in America and in the world. What, from your view, is it that brings people to this point? Are there a few commonalities that you're seeing of these are kind of the things that bring someone to this point of actually stepping across the bridge? Right. I think loneliness is a a big one and possibly getting the the wrong help or people telling you, you know, you're going to be fine. Suck it up. You can handle it. A big one is not getting the help they needed, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. suffering from mental illness and not being diagnosed with it is always a huge issue. Mental illness is always not funded as as it should be. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to get help out there. Sometimes you're two months down the line to get an appointment with a mental health professional. Come on, really? I mean, that's terrible. So, and that's a tough line of work for mental health professionals. That's a very tough line of work. And also people feel, may feel like they're a burden to others. So that is a big one. They feel, you know what? They're going to be better off without me. I've screwed up my life. I got into drugs. I did this. I did that. I I can't get a job for whatever reason. I'm a burden to people. They're going to be better off without me. So that one. And then when I ask them, you know, have you spoken to your family about this? Well, no, but I can feel it from them and I can hear it in some of the things that they say. So having a, a mental illness made this undiagnosed, being a burden 
And then if you were on a prescription medication for a mental illness, stopping that abruptly. I saw this, these three frequently upon that bridge. And for you, Kevin, I just imagine like these conversations in this, in this job. And now for you, like you mentioned before we started this podcast, like it's about to be suicide like what is awareness month and this is this is not easy to enter these conversations on a regular basis how like for i'm thinking about the person that you know maybe this is not their career but they're a nurse or they're a therapist and how can they like what do you personally do just to get rest and like not carry these things home because otherwise that would just be like so much for you it is and i would say you are going to take it home it's Whatever yeah. job you have, whether you're a welder, a cop, a fireman, <laughs> a butcher, whatever it is, we don't live to where we can shut things off. Mm. Your home is going to go with you to work and your work is going to go with you to home. It's just how it is. Yeah. So for me, I made up this quality of life triad and it starts with me on the top. You look at the triangle mm -hmm. and it's self-care. And then out here we have professional care and support. These are our pillars. And for many guys, we don't have that support. I didn't have that for most of my life. It wasn't until after I retired that I started going out. I go to coffee with some folks four days a week when I'm home, generally. Uh -huh. And it gets uh -huh. me out of the house because I'm very much an introvert, even though I'll go on stage and talk to <laughs> hundreds of people or whatever. I'm very much an introvert and I like being home. But they will call me, hey, Kev, you're coming down for coffee today, right? And it forces me to get out of the house. And I'm seeing this. More and more and more with folks is they get out and they go to coffee shops and wherever they meet. And I really like this. Women are, are good at this. Guys, we're, I think we're getting better because the more that I go out to coffee shops, I'm seeing more guys getting together and they're starting their own thing. I see it with, with law enforcement quite a bit is they will put out coffee with cops or something, coffee with retired cops, and they'll get more people to come in, awesome. especially when you retire, because then you're... What are you going to do? Uh, Jack, you mentioned this, a reason and a purpose. You mm. got to have that. When you're retired, you got to have something else. Whether you're volunteering at a dog kennel or whatever it is, we have to have something to do, yeah. even if it's just a couple of days a week. So yeah. our own self-care, knowing that I will screw up things in life, but that's all right. Your own compassion for yourself and being able to say, no, you know what? That's too much. I'm doing too many things. I got too much going on. I'm going to have to put that off. Can you contact me in another time to do that? But your own self-care on the top and then that professional care, anybody in a profession that can help you, a yoga coach, a mentor, a life coach, you know, not just a mental health professional, but anybody along those lines. So put yourself on the top. So many times we're giving, giving, giving of ourselves, our energies and everything. We run out. We run dry. So don't be afraid to put yourself on top and then have that support and that professional care as your supports. That's so good. I'm curious what you would say, Kevin, to like the younger generation that is struggling so much with depression and and suicide. Like what, what if you were to kind of give, hey, this is probably some of our listeners are struggling with depression right now. And maybe even some are struggling with suicidal ideation. What would you want to say to that person? And this is very easy for me to say, but it, it is difficult. Get some help. Surround yourself with good people. And for somebody who may be listening to someone who's struggling, don't try to fix it. Have a conversation. 
hey, man, you, you haven't been coming out. We haven't met in some time. We used to come out and, and have drinks or go to coffee or fishing, whatever it is. And, and I see that you're just staying inside all the time now. If you want to talk, I want to let you know I'm here and I'll listen. And then just listen to them. You know, they've had all these different things going on that, that might be negative in their life. Validate what they're going through. You know what? That sounds really tough. And if you think it's going to go down that path of maybe they're thinking of suicide, contemplating that, ask them, you know what? You've been going through so many things, and this is a big one. Anybody going through all of this might be thinking about killing themselves. Have you been thinking about killing yourself? So you're normalizing what they're going through. Yeah, that's so good. That's a big one. Validation and normalization. And I don't see this so much sometimes even with mental health professionals. And they didn't do it with my boy. And I sat in on the conversation and it was a horrible conversation. I don't know if this gentleman was trained in suicide assessment. That would be my big one is if you're going to see someone, whether that's childhood trauma, whatever that is, see them for that. You're not going to a heart surgeon. You're not going to go to a foot guy, right? I mean, it seems Mm. obvious. Make sure they are trained in what you are going for. Mm. If you're someone that's struggling, don't be afraid to talk about it. Surround yourself with good people. Get some help. It's not a weakness, especially guys. We always think I got to be strong. I got to handle it. Well, I kept a lot of stuff in. Uh, I had some very, very brutal experiences with a neighbor when I was eight to 10 years old. And it really has taken a heavy, heavy, heavy toll on my whole life. It wasn't. I kept it inside for over 40 years until I talked about it. Then I went through some processes, EMDR, eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing, and also what's called a stellate ganglion blocked, where they put injections in your neck to kind of reset your brain, try to. That has helped. But like I said, I had testicular cancer. I've had multiple head traumas, this abuse when I was a kid. That's just a, a few of them. But I, I talk about these and why I didn't seek help and what happened after I did seek help. I thought, you know what? Am I going to lose my job? What's going to happen? Am I going to lose friends? Nothing like that happened. Look, I'm on this show. Mm-hmm. But if you're struggling, get some help. There's no shame in that. No shame whatsoever. And if somebody wants to talk to you about it, take that time to listen. And I go by 80-20. Let them talk 80% of the time and you 20. That's That's that will so change good. later on because, of course, you want to talk more. But mm. let them speak. I always talk. Listen to understand or at least try to understand what they're going through. Put yourself in their shoes. I wrote a blog a lot of few years ago and one of the sentences in this blog was like, how confession is the first step to healing. And it's just, it's true. Once we actually get it out there and start talking about it, even just that freedom, like I've had things that I've kept within myself. And when I finally talked about it, I felt free already just in that one moment of saying, I experienced this. And I just know that when we keep things in the darkness, it, it almost feels like it like festers and it like, it just, it's not, things are meant to be pain and trauma is meant to be in the light for it to start the process of healing. Yes. If you get the right people to talk to that, you know, can be understanding, not somebody that's just very, very hardcore handle it. That's the way it is. We've always handled it ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not going to help at all. Mm-hmm. Want somebody that's understanding. And, you know, a lot of times maybe they can't even fix it, but at least they can be there. And I tell folks, you can call me 24 hours a day. I may not be able to pick up the phone then when I'm talking to my friends. But you know what? I'll get to it as soon as I can. 
Mm. And I want to let you know you don't have to go through this alone. Oh, Kevin, you do such a good job at making everybody feel like somebody. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Kevin, you're a very courageous person. And I think everyone would see you as a courageous person, putting yourself out there on behalf of others consistently all the time. How do you think for the rest of us, like how can we grow in courage? Is there some like unique thing that you were born with that allows you to put yourself in these very scary situations over and over? Or do you think everyone can grow in this and learn to be more courageous? I think everybody can do this. I didn't know. I had no idea what I was doing when I went and down to that bridge in uniform and, and started talking to folks. So it, it was some time later before I went through crisis intervention team training, CIT, which was okay. And many, many, many years later before I went through the FBI school. I mean, these things should have taken precedence long before I even stepped foot on that bridge. But we don't know what we're getting into a lot of times. You know, our compassion, think about if that was you. And sometimes we have to go through things in order to really see it, you know, what it is. So I talk to these folks, but I could see it in their eyes. And I say, you know what? I can't, for me, I can't allow this suffering to do it. And, and I never say I'm the, I'm the best negotiator or anything like that. Yeah. For one, if I'm not cutting it with somebody, if it looks like we're not going to build rapport and we have the people on duty to do that, I'm going to get somebody else in there. It is always about them. You know, but this also, I learned a lot about myself. And I think that it's a journey for ourselves. Where do we fit in on this? What do we do? But when it comes to suicide, we all can be a game changer for other folks simply by being there for them. Wow. That's so good. Kevin, you're so, you're also just such a humble person. That was one of the things that struck Riley and I when we met you in the ring shop. You were just so down to earth, like you've done TED Talks and you travel and speak and many people know who you are across the country and across the world, but yet you're such a humble, like down to earth. <laughs> yeah. You just care about the person in front of you. How have you maintained humil- such humility, like as mm. you have notoriety and people know who you are and want you to come and speak all over the place? For me, I, I have to. I look at that. I When I go to bed and I'm like, oh, my God, how did I come to this? I'm like, wow, it's just little, little Kevin Briggs trying to <laughs> do something in the world. And, and it's taken off into things. So, you know what? It's very, very humbling. And I get this opportunity to travel around and talk to folks. I want to provide them with, with a service. I'm thinking if I'm in the audience, if you're coming to hear somebody talk about mental health and, and mental illness and suicide, you want to learn things. You know, most people to come, oh, I had nothing else to do. I'm just going to go. This is going to be fun. No, it's it's tough. You're hearing about my experiences. You're hearing how we can talk to one another. So I think I have a duty, if I'm going to do this right, to give people as much good information as I can. What's up to date? I study a lot. So, you know, how can they help somebody else? And how can they help themselves? So if I can do that, then boom, I, I, I'm doing my job. And I've always told people, you know, if you see me getting up there in ego, pick me upside the head. It's about the other people. That's what it is. If they're doing better, it's, hey, man, thank you so much. You really helped me. Good. Fantastic. That's what this is about. That's so good. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us and um, just for sharing your wisdom and insight. Um, it was yeah, so encouraging. And I know so many people are going to get so much out of this. So. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. You're thank the real nice deal. It's been this. an honor. Oh, this has been a pleasure. This, <laughs> I hope this goes well for you. I don't see how it could not 
both your smiling faces. It's it's wonderful. So congratulations <laughs> oh, on you. this new project for you. Thanks, Kevin.